Hosanna, a fellowship of Christians. Good morning, Hosanna. Hey, I tell you what, I was so glad to be able to make it here today. Uh, it's been a while. I came back and sang, and then I was supposed to sing again, and I got sick again. Um, so it's very enjoyable to be here this morning, and uh, it's a breath of fresh air. And uh, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just so thankful for you guys. I really am. And I just want you to, as, as I worship today, I want you to worship today. And uh, just as a reminder, if you're in that space right now where you don't really feel like worshiping, just sit there. That's, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, and, uh, you know, for some of you, it's, it, it's a fall time, a fall season. Uh, I skipped right to winter in my, in my, in my season. And it's been a very long winter. And uh, so I just ask for you guys to just uh, stand with me as we, as we praise this morning. And uh, say hello to somebody as we start to, to worship in this first song. But also, don't forget to uh, worship with us today. Now raise a Mr. 
sing with me or you can sing with Kelly, but it's a lot of sing a lot. Sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. A little better. Sing a little louder. Here we go. Sing a little louder. Uh, here we go. Sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. seated as we continue with worship or continue standing. That's up to you. I cast my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died I see his wounds, his heads, his feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. His body bound and drenched in tears, they laid him down. Messiah still and all alone. Oh, praise the name.
Thank you for your faith. 
needed to sing that chorus one more time because it was just uh it was nice to hear you sing it so uh thank you now we got one more song and you guys have to stand for this song all right if you can if you can stand please do
because we're going to praise God right now. We're going to go down to the river right now. and uh, Just think of yourself. Your shoes are off. You're in some nice shorts. You're going down to the river, which is right by your house or wherever it is. And we're going to go down to that river. And we're going to give it all up to God right now. Let's see those hands clapping now. Come on. We're going to let all our neighbors know where we're going. All right. All right, so here we go. Going down to the river. Going down to the river. I'm going to set my spirit free. Coming back to these waters. going to find myself some peace. All right, let's sing that again. Going down to the river. Gonna set my spirit free. So free. Coming back to these waters. Gonna find myself some peace. What are we gonna do? We're gonna lay my burdens down. Gonna lay my burdens down. So I can soar with you so high.
ask right now that we're together and we're worshiping with you. Thank you for another wonderful day with you. Amen and amen. hard to sit down after that. Whew. Hi, everybody. My name is Kelly. Hi. For those of you who do not know me, I'm the Children's Ministry Director, and I'm happy to be here today, and I'm thrilled to be up here singing with Sean. It's been a while since I've been singing, and um, it's a whole vibe with the whole team up here, and I hope you felt that worship that we felt up here. I think you did, um, but really amazing. I'm here to do announcements today. Oh, by the way, kids, if you have not already left, they are gone. They're gone. I didn't even see them go. Okay. <laughs> I hope that didn't happen. Um, yes, number of announcements today. Before we do that, um, let's pray for our offering. But I, before we do that, I was just thinking, I was something Sean said made me think of this. Um, when I was coming in early this morning, it was uh, crisp. It was crisp fall morning. And I'll move this then if you want me to. Um, and I thought it's a changing of the seasons. You know, the seasons change. And in every, I really like the transitional seasons. Because I think we go through so many transitions in our life. And we're all, as Sean was talking about, in different seasons of our life. But no matter what, the thing that remains constant is God. No matter what. And we can either... Maybe we're feeling close to God in that season. Maybe we're feeling far away from God in that season. But it doesn't matter. He's still there. And um, so my prayer this morning for our offering, for me, um, music is so much of a prayer. And as I was, you know, singing these songs this morning and listening to the lyrics, I always listen to what I sing. And so I, for our prayer this morning, I'm just going to repeat some of the lyrics because they're really a prayer to God. And so if you'd pray with me this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for the cross and the price you paid. Thank you for salvation and unending grace. And thank you for the life you give. Thank you for everything you've given us, um, our family, material things we have, relationships we have. Um, we thank you. We thank you for it all. And as we bring these, these tokens and these offerings today to you, um, bless them, Lord. Uh, bless them for your favor, for your love, for your glory, and for your praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, lots of things going on here. Um, yes, the offering is coming around, so thank you for that. Um, so our Change for Change, we're in a new month. Happy October. October 1st today, hard to believe. Um, and we're in a new month, so our Change for Change... This month is going to the Warwick Community Chest. I believe we talked about this a week or so ago, saying that how much their food pantry is in need. There's a lot of people in need of food. Um, times are tough for many people. So any spare change you have, a dollar here, a dollar there, um, if you could drop that in the bucket, that would be greatly appreciated. Before I go on to the other announcements, I don't know if I said this because I was so like pumped up from singing, but welcome. If I didn't tell you that. A little late to the game, but welcome. And if you are new here, an extraordinarily special welcome to you, and we hope you um, find peace and um, just uh, comfort in the message from today and in being here with us. Those of you who are not new, great to see you all again. I just wanted to put that in there. Um, moving on with the announcements. Oh, and also hello online. My mind's lagging a little this morning for some reason. 
don't know why, but good morning to all our friends watching us online. We're glad to have you as well. Um, this morning, uh, Joanne and Tony are starting a new class over in the Blue Room, and it is called What Matters Most About Our Faith. Um, and that is based on a book called The Last Word and the Word After That by Brian McLaren. Now, Tony actually has some used copies of that book. If uh, you don't want to buy one specifically for yourself, see Tony. I'm sure he'd be happy to share one of those with you. But What Matters Most About Our Faith, very intriguing title. And that class will begin today after the service over in the Blue Room. Also following the service, something very important is that our elders uh, and our prayer team members will be up front here right after the service to offer prayer for any of you that, that need it or want it. They will be here to pray with you. To that end, we ask at the conclusion of the service that if you're not staying for prayer, that if you would be so kind to take your conversations out in the lobby so that those that want to get prayed for and need prayer can have that here in a quiet manner up in front of the church. A um, couple announcements about October, since we're in October. Um, the Women's Fellowship this Wednesday is having a field trip. And they are going, they're meeting at the home of Sandy and Dick Cobus to walk through their Noah, Noah's Ark Museum. And I hear it's a sight to behold. I have not had the privilege of seeing it yet, but uh, the, they, they have a Noah's Ark Museum in their home. And so the Women's Fellowship will be meeting there. If you plan to carpool, please meet here at Hosanna no later than 1230. And carpooling would be preferred just because of parking at the museum. So um, if you could meet here, that would be great. Um, also in October, mid that's the beginning of October, mid-October, on October the 13th, which is a Friday, Friday, October 13th, we are having a Kid Ventures fun night here at the church. Uh, invitations have gone out for that. If your child has not received one, um, see me and call me, text me, email me, whatever, and I'll make sure that they get one. We're going to have pizza and games and just a lot of fun and a lot of, just a time to be together and the kids can have a good time. So that's Friday night here. Chris Poget is always also going to be here providing some of his games and activities for the kids. So we're looking forward to that. And then finally, we're going to move to the end of October because it's hard to believe our holiday bazaar is right around the corner. And I know there's been a lot of work going on for that. Uh, we have a full house of artisans. This will be transformed into an artisan's paradise with a lot of vendors. Um, also new this year, we're going to be offering free gift wrapping. So when people come and buy gifts for the holidays, they can get their gifts wrapped for free. And we need a little bit of help with that. We have the people to wrap, but we would love donations of scotch tape, uh, tissue paper, ribbon, things like that that we can use to actually wrap the presents with. So if you would be willing to pick some of that up and put that out at the Welcome Center, we would gladly appreciate that. And finally, with the bazaar, um, if you're able to help clean up after the bazaar, which is on Saturday, October 28th, so that, again, the end of the month, um, we need to turn it around pretty quickly and get our building ready for our service the following morning. So if you're able to come late to the bazaar and stay to help us transform this, that would be very helpful. With that, I believe that's all the announcements. I wish you a blessed day, and Tony and Joanne. <laughs> okay. That's intentional. Uh, we're, ha we're having interesting It's because my vibrations are so high spiritually. Is that me? <laughs> Today's message is a musical. 
<laughs> oh, I was having fun. Thank you, Kelly, for the announcements and the, for being a little scattered. That never happens to me anymore. I'm not blaming it on age. I'm blaming it on you. I don't know what I'm blaming it on. Yesterday, I had a wedding to do several hours away from here. And um, at some point yesterday morning, I realized that it would be nice if I had packed a necktie. It was that kind of thing. You know, I just uh, forget something important like that. And Jeff's still sorting this out. Okay. Words you never want to hear a tech person say. I'm not sure what's going on. <laughs> anyway, also, I have lost my hearing aids, so if you see a pair hanging around here somewhere, they're probably mine. <laughs> Life is interesting these days. Well, let's not talk about me. Let's talk about what we've been talking about the last eight weeks here. We have, we've been walking and talking through the story of the church, and this has been a weird series for us. It's been a bit unusual. We didn't know if this would go or not, and uh, so thanks to all of you that Express your appreciation along the way, and you guys can hear me okay? Okay. The echo that I was hearing disappeared. Um, so, yeah, a number of you come up to us and like, hey, this is cool, and it's clarifying things for me, and I'm, and which is good, because we, were, we weren't sure about that. And, and by the way, if you didn't appreciate the series, good news, it's done. Uh, <laughs> We're finishing that up today. So, Why did we do this? The primary way was to have the opportunity to see God, Christ, our faith, ourselves through the eyes of others. So instead of just looking through our own lenses all the time, to be able to, to put on somebody else's glasses and see, uh, get some wisdom from that seeing. So we've been almost doing that kind of every Sunday. We've been putting on a different pair of glasses and seeing things through the perspective of a group of people at a particular time and place, and how do they understand these things? Now, collecting glasses is something that I do, and I'm walking off the screen here because I forgot, to, I forgot I'm scattered, to bring a bag up with me. I don't know why I like glasses, and I found this online site that makes them really cheap, so, and my prescription keeps changing, so I've got a whole, a whole bag full of them in here, most of which have, I have not cleaned, and the prescription is bad, but we're going to see if we can do something today. So I'm going to put on a different pair of glasses for each of these time periods. So, wow. I remember those. <laughs> you guys look funky. <laughs> the earliest, so we get to spend some time with, first of all, the earliest Christians in those first 300 years when they were just a small, marginalized, sometimes persecuted community. And they were witnessing then about the identity of Christ. And they didn't work out all their doctrines, but they said that Christ was the God who became human in order that we might be restored to the image in likeness of God, and we're so grateful to them. And then we also talked about the post-Roman Christians in Western Europe during the Middle Ages. We call them post-Romans. They were after the Roman Empire, who witnessed about the power of a community drawn together by, by their oneness with each other and with Christ, and experimented with what Christian community could look like. And then we looked at or looked through the lens of the non-Roman Christians, the Celts in Ireland. So many of you love hearing about the Celts, and that has nothing to do with the fact that Joanne is really, really passionate about the Celts. I, I like them too, but I mean, this is really her thing, and it came through, and they witnessed about creation, 
but how the, the created world speaks of the character of God, the God who entered into it, entered into ordinary life, into ordinary human history, and walked with us, which is cool. But they weren't the only one. There were three groups after, I'm going to save that one to the end. Three sets of glasses on at the same time? Oh, that'd be cool. <laughs> three groups. These are one of my yellow ones. Then there were the other Romans. So we had the post-Romans and the non-Romans and the other Romans. They were the Orthodox, Eastern Orthodox in the eastern part of the Roman Empire, in the eastern Mediterranean, they still exist, who witnessed about mystery, who recognized that this ineffable God, ineffable means unknowable, would remain, be entirely unknowable, except for the fact that he was willing to come near and reveal some of himself to us. But we live in the mystery, in the, the glory of that mystery. And they get glory and mystery really well. Mm-hmm. And then there were the Christians of the Reformation era. Who witnessed about the ongoing need for, for reformation, for renewal, for re-envisioning. Because they recognized that their faith had grown stagnant. It even gotten corrupt. And they were warning to us to not let us, don't get into a rut, to make it continually new. And if not, then uh, something's going to need to change. And it might be a little, a little traumatic. And then there were the Christians of the Pietistic era, who were probably my favorite group. I studied them for, in school years ago, who witnessed to integration. They, they recognized that people in their, head, in their time were too stuck in their head. They became all about what they believed about God, and they were looking for also bringing the heart experience. And then having that into the mix, having experience, experiential knowing of God, and then being able to do something of service to the world. So it's head, heart, and hands is the shorthand for that. And they really tried to integrate well that. And I, I love those folks for doing that. Uh, those were called uh, pietistic folks. And here's my favorite pair of glasses. Here's the last one. This was last week. These are my beach glasses. (laughs) And then the Christians of the 19th and 20th centuries who witnessed about mission. They envisioned and they actually put into place a global vision for the kingdom of God. But saying that was God's heartbeat all along. It wasn't just for one group here. It wasn't just for Europeans and North Americans. It wasn't just for those of us who lived in this part of the world. It was for everybody everywhere is included in God's kingdom. It is invited into God's kingdom. So at the conclusion of this, we can affirm one more time that we are truly surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Yeah. Hebrews 12.1. That's been our theme verse throughout. That's, to be honest, that's what this whole series is based upon. It's been, it's been trying to understand what was meant by that verse. Who, who are these witnesses? Mm-hmm. Why are they surrounding us? What do they have to offer us as they're cheering us on in our walk with God? Yep. So they're, they're perhaps like spectators in a stadium and uh, reminding us of what was true and how they saw things and encouraging us to see clearly in our own time. By the way, I don't know if I have... I do have it on here. Uh, when I do get new glasses, I tend to put a little phrase on the side inside where only I will ever see it, but it's in Spanish for some reason, because I guess I heard it in Spanish originally. It says, Veo claramente, see clearly. And it's a re- reminder to me, not merely to, uh, to clean my glasses once in a while, but uh, <laughs> to, um, to see with the eyes of my heart clearly and everything I do, if possible.
Anyway, those people were witnesses in the past. And it's our turn, right, in this present generation to be witnesses to now. Um, we are the new cloud of witnesses, as one author put it. Mm. We're still physically present in this world. And we're still able to testify with our words and with our lives, with our community, right, to the love of God for the whole world. For God so loved the whole world that he came and died and rose again for all of us. So we're still able to testify to this love of God for us, for the world, in the midst of all of its complexity and confusion, and also its goodness and its glory. It's messy, but it's all wonderful. So what does all of this mean for us? Well, first of all, it means for us in the now moment, in this generation, it means being spiritually awake in Christ. It means being able to see beyond the circumstances to the more that God's doing in and all around us. Jesus registered his disappointment, right, with the religious leaders of his time because they didn't want to learn. They did not want to understand how to read the signs of their day. In Matthew 16, Jesus says to the Pharisees, you know the saying, Red sky at night means fair weather tomorrow. Red sky in the morning means foul weather all day. You know how to interpret the weather signs in the sky, but you don't know how to interpret the signs of the times. And the implication for us is that his desire for his people and his church to have this dual vision has never changed. Jesus wants us to have eyes that see and hearts to understand, and the ability to interpret what is going on in and all around us. See, and if we would do this, if we would open our eyes now to see, God would show us that for quite some time we have been slowly entering into what John of the Cross in the 16th century called the dark night. I said a bit about that process last week. This week, we simply want to notice that we here in America, as well as the rest of the world, are in the midst of a dark night experience, and dramatically so, since 9-11. That, I remember that day. I remember where I was, you probably all do too, when I was actually in Lidditch Springs Park in my car praying, and I went to turn the car on, turned on the radio, and heard what was happening and came right here to the church, and Interestingly, it shows some of what's happened in the last 20 years or so. Every, so many people did the same thing. We gathered here. Somebody set up a gigantic television out there in the foyer, and we watched all day long, and we prayed together. It's so interesting. Would that be everyone's first response now? So very dramatically, 9-11, it had already been happening, this dark night experience. People were writing about it spiritually. Constance Fitzgerald is a Benedictine writer, and she'd been writing about about it for 20 years leading up, that we're in a dark night, we're going into a dark night. People weren't listening because the spectacular moment hadn't happened. 9-11 came. And dramatically, things shifted. 
So if we're to read the signs of the times, what are some signs of a dark night? I'm going to just name three of them for you quickly here. First is impasse. What is impasse? It is stuckness that we can't think or feel or work or strategize or buy or beg or fight or pray ourselves out of. Everything just comes to a standstill. And no matter what you do, you can't fix it. We can't go back, but we can't yet see the way forward. So we experience something that we humans hate to experience. Second characteristic, we experience our essential helplessness. You know, times like now come very cyclically. And does God cause them? No. Does God use them? Yes. Times like now are reminders of what we too often forget, that unlimited God chose consciously and intentionally to create us humans with limitations. He is unlimited. We are not. And waking up and recognizing that and accepting that is one of the greatest gifts of love that God has given us. Why? Because when we recognize our essential helplessness as humans, it frees us from having to be all-powerful God in our own lives and in our world. So we can keep learning, right? So we can keep growing. So we can stop with that, we're going to arrive someday, I want to arrive. Let's get on with this thing. No. This is also we can keep learning how to trust the love and the goodness of God and also learn how to trust and cooperate in love with each other for the sake of the world. But, you know, since most of us, including Christians, have tied our identity and our well-being more to our culture than to Christ, more to bigger, better, faster, like Tony likes to say. Our identity is tied to bigger, better, faster. So when things get smaller, simpler, slower, we respond with fear rather than faith. And we do anything and everything we can to fix things or to try to fix things, to put it all back together like Humpty Dumpty. But God's way of fixing things in a dark night is very different than in other seasons of faith. How does God fix it? By simply being with us. He is simply with us as that old season is necessarily dying. And he's with us, wanting to help us discern what are we to leave behind of that old season, what's finished, right? And what are we to be taking into the new season? Because if we don't do this, discernment, this being with God, this ability to stop and be rather than do, do, do all the time, do you know what we'll experience that third uh, sign of the dark night, which is loss of meaning? And isn't that true of the now times in which we're living in, loss of meaning? People walking away from the church, that's why I was saying, in 20 years, so much has happened. And it's all saying, if you have eyes to see, This is dark night stuff. This is dark night dynamics. The old answers no no longer work or satisfy, and we can't yet find answers to the new questions that we're asking 
And in our frantic fear, we panic and our vision narrows. And all we can see on the surface of things is darkness and death. Everything's bad. It's like Chicken Little running around. The sky is falling, sky is falling, sky is falling. And that's all we can see. So unfortunately, what we end up doing too often is we just circle the wagons and shoot at anything that moves. When what we really need to do is stop. Do what scripture says. Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. It's not the knowing that's here. It's the knowing that's way deep down in our bones. Be still and know God is God. We are not. And then while we're, we're stopped, we can learn how to wait well. I'm teaching a class right now on that very thing through the seminary. The theology and practice of waiting. And then as we're learning how to wait and as we're in stillness, we can let our eyes adjust to the dark. Do you know like when you wake up in the middle of the night, like my dog wakes me up routinely at 3 a.m. and it is dark and I wake up and I don't know where I am and I'm feeling, but if you give it a couple of seconds, your eyes adjust. You can start to see in the dark. We have to stop long enough, folks, right now for us to be able to allow our eyes to adjust to the dark so we can see the God who's always been there. Listen, even if we make our bed in hell, behold, he's there. Can we see him? And then, as our eyes are adjusting, and we can see God there, we can more clearly watch for the sure signs of the new thing God's already doing and cooperate with it. Right, because God's been planting the seeds of this new thing for some time. Using everything, listen, even the worst that we humans can do to each other, he uses for fertilizer of those seeds that are planting, planting, that he's planting. And we Christians, we need to learn how to tend these seeds that are lying under the surface. We need to be able to see them and tend them in hope, knowing that the roots are already going way down deep, even if we can't see them. And we can watch with expectation, day after day, watching for the small shoots of that new thing that God is doing to begin to emerge first in us. And then tending them, we can see them emerging all around us. See, in this now moment, we get to be witnesses to what only God can do. Because we already know what we can do, and we're learning what we can't. Now, and I'm excited about this, we are going to see again what only God can do. Each week, as we've been... Am I on? Okay, sorry. <laughs> things are weird here today. Um, <laughs> Each week as we've been describing what this, these different time periods look like, and you just heard Joanne give this very potent description of the time we're in. Yeah, 21st century. Yeah. By the way, I'm going I'm to interrupt myself a little bit here, too. I think we're in a transitional time. I think future people, people 200, 300 years from now, look back at our generation as a time between something that once was and something that will be, and we don't know what the will be is yet because we are the ones, among many others, who are, who are, mm-hmm. who are, who are, who are building it. 
hopefully in partnership with God. And so things are being deconstructed and things are chaotic and messy and, and things are being constructed and perhaps by generations that will come after us. And that means that, yes, it's going to feel messy. It's going to feel dark. It's going to feel confusing to us. Transitional times are, but they are also the most important times in human history. This is where God, this is the periods when God is doing his best work because people are responsive. They're paying attention. They're maybe afraid, but they're also looking to try and understand where we go next. So anyway, that's a freebie, but I think this is one of the most exciting. God has graced us with the opportunity to be here in one of the most exciting times in the history of the world. Mm-hmm. And let us, let us be very brave and hopeful mm-hmm. about what we do with it. Mm-hmm. Now, in each of these time periods, we've been telling you stories. Oh, that's been so much fun. Yes, All these has. different people at different periods. So some of them famous, some of them not so famous. How did they experience this for themselves? So we're going to tell you some stories. No, we're actually not. (laughs) Because for the time period called now, those stories are still being written. And we don't know 200, 300 years from now who they're going to look back at, back and say, wow, let me tell you the story of maybe name one of you. That'd be awesome. (laughs) And what you had to do. So um, that's actually maybe a good thing. We don't have any stories to tell you today, but you have stories to tell us. Mm Mm-hmm. Remember, we are all witnesses. Yes. All of us, not just that great cloud that's in the stands. We, too, are witnesses to the love of God. And therefore, our stories, your stories, all of them need to be told and they need to be heard. So we're going to invite you to do that as maybe one of the options as we move into Q&A. Now, for those of you who've been around Hosanna for a long time, you know what a Q&A kind of thing is. Sometimes we actually set up the room with tables and stuff, and we didn't do that today. But, uh, hmm? yeah. <laughs> um, but it's an invitation for, um, you know, for you to talk, and not just, not just us. You've heard a little bit from us today. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get to be part of the message. Jeff will have a microphone, and he'll rove around a little bit, and we'll be inviting you to, uh, to share some of it um, uh, something with us. The core of that is an invitation to offer, to ask questions or to offer reflections. Maybe ask questions of Joanne and myself or to offer reflections that would benefit others in the room about the teaching in this series. Um, specifically, what we're asking you to ask questions about is, or to tell us about is, what's, what's surprised you along the way? What caught you off guard? Wow, I didn't know that was part of the story. I didn't know people believed that. I didn't know people did that. Or what has made you sad? Because one of the things we've tried to do in telling the church's story is to be honest with you about some of the atrocities along the way. Some of what we're learning from the past is from the mistakes that were made, Uh, not just the the graces that were in evidence. What has given you hope for the future? We're envisioning together what that time will look like, this next generation, the next hundred years, whatever it is, however long God gives us to be here on this earth. Maybe we'll all be whisked away at some point. Uh, no, what, as, we're, uh, as we're looking for that, what, what gives you hope mm-hmm. rather than despair? Even in the midst of a dark night, where do you see God at work in the dark? Mm-hmm. And, um, so, and if you want to witness to, all about, uh, to us about what God has done in you and for you, you want to tell a little bit of your testimony, yep. that's welcome too. 
So um, as you speak, remember there are others listening online, and uh, if anybody online, if you wish to speak, we can't give you a microphone, but we do have this thing, God invented the comment box. (laughs) So type in the comment box, and we'll keep monitoring that as well, and uh, we'll hopefully catch yours if you want to. Yes, I see that hand. I think it's really interesting to talk about a transitional time. That really struck me, and a lot of ideas of things transitioning currently, I think, will be very easy for any one of us to understand. Look at how e-commerce is changing um, the world of sales. Look at um, right now how the electric car is going to, in the next 10 to 15 years, is going to change how many of us do transportation. During COVID, Zoom and similar communication mechanisms mm-hmm. popped up yeah. and were, began to be employed uh, widely, including in our worship activity. Mm-hmm. So different. Um, I, and I think it's good for us to reflect on just even the secular kinds of transitions that are happening. Perhaps they're a reflection of the spiritual transitions that are lying underneath. And I know for me, during my own personal dark night experience, which was 14 years and one month long, some really amazing things happened, including uh, a complete healing from generalized anxiety disorder. Just an amazing thing. It was years Mm -hmm. in coming. took much, much work, but it happened. And, you know, um, connecting to some of the last things said, you know, I I didn't know what was going on. I didn't didn't know how it was going to happen. I just tried to cooperate with what needed to be done. Yeah, yeah, thank you, Rick. One of the most, you mentioned along the way of the other good comments, are one of the most significant changes that has taken place (laughs) where the world has gotten much smaller. There's been this technology that became so important during the pandemic. That's been around for a while. I started teaching online in like 1998. But it was marginal. It was reserved for specialized things. And suddenly when the pandemic hit, this technology that already existed allowed us to stay connected to one another. And we realized that geography did not matter so much. And what, you know what I was reflecting on? The same thing was true in the New Testament. The technology was writing letters to each other. The New Testament, half of it is epistles, letters, back and forth in order to close the geographic gap between Christians in one place and Christians in another place. It's nothing new, it's just the technology got better. But it reminds us of our connectedness. Mm. And so I mentioned last week, you know, I'm, I'm talking to people in different parts of the world on a kind of regular basis, not because I'm special, it's just simply because it's become ordinary to be able to do that. And for us Christians, I think that's just a, just, just a wonderful thing. We are so connected, or at least we can be, in ways mm-hmm. that we, never, we, we were not before. Yeah. By the way, I should point out that the person carrying the mic is not Jeff, but Dwight. I don't want to mislabel you, <laughs> yeah. uh, Dwight. And the comment box is live chat. I called that wrong, too. I'm old. <laughs> Hi. I'm um, also talking about transition. I think it's wonderful how technology has come a long way. Wait, who's... Oh, okay. Oh, i just like to see who's talking. Who is, Hi. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking at Dwight. And you were <laughs> but on the other hand, it's a little sad because I think we lose a lot of personal 
touches. Oh, yeah. If, you know, if you go out to a restaurant, you see a family having dinner together, they're not talking with each other. Everybody's on their phone texting mm-hmm. somebody else. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or technology's great. You can buy anything over the computer. But then you lose that personal touch of going into a store and mm-hmm. meeting other people, having personal touches. Mm-hmm. You know, it's... Yeah. Some ways it's good, some ways it's a little sad. Yeah. And then the intentionality that we need to exercise in choices. So, for example, my son and daughter-in-law and two grandkids, when they're eating, whether it's at home or anywhere else, no phones. Right. Right? Because they want to maintain the connection and the conversation. I but know. you have to be intentional. And I think that's what we were saying about waking up seeing the lay of the land, we could try to stop it. It's not going to stop. That's the point. We need to be intentional about the choices we're making in the midst of what's happening around us and in our culture, right? Yes. Yes. Thank you. I, I was, since I did the glasses thing earlier, I'll give this illustration. I saw one back a few years ago. Some, the Pope showed up somewhere, you know, kind of a celebrity figure, and there was this crowd around him, and this, somebody took a picture, and every single person around him had their phone up in front, and they were videoing the experience <laughs> yes. of the Pope. And the caption was, here are all these people, and not a single one of them saw him directly. Everyone was looking through a lens, hoping to capture the moment for later, but they missed part of the moment because they missed the opportunity for the face-to-face. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about. Um, hey, you were drumming like crazy this morning. <laughs> yes, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> I was so enjoying yeah. Rob. I'm very smelly right now. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, thinking about what's made me sad. Um, I think so much of the church's story is really clothed in something that is not Jesus. And um, thinking back to just. I don't think when when Christianity was married with political power in the days of Constantine and um, then throughout Europe and how it led to the genocide of millions of Native Americans and it makes me scared for where we are now and how we're marrying how our country is marrying Christianity with politics I think it has been doing that really for a long time but um, it makes me scared because. for the future because especially when people on the right and people on the left and wherever we are, we're blaming each other and saying, God, no, God's on our side and you're evil. And yeah. how can I or we rise above that? Because both sides are pro-death. <laughs> how can we rise above that as Christians? How can we rise above that left-right spectrum and yeah. truly align ourselves with what Jesus wants? Yeah. I'm struggling with that. I'm wrestling gonna, I with that. I think it's a lifelong I think it's a lifelong struggle. And yeah. if anybody wants to talk about that, how do we decolonize our faith so that it's so that it we can kind of dig up some of that garbage. Right? <laughs> um and so that we can move forward in the way that Jesus wants us to because we are in that moment of transition. So which what are we going to choose, you know? And um yeah, so uh if anybody wants to talk about that, I love having those conversations. I'd love a small group or a book study or something, you know. Yeah. But uh, I'm totally into that. So, 
it's, yeah. it's a question I have. Thank you so much. Yeah, as you're talking, I'm remembering, too, how often we're, you know, like in Washington, D.C., and the mall often becomes the place where people gather from various sides and positions and talk and talk and talk and give speeches. And I remember, you know, somewhere in the last 20 years, um, just, but it, after 9-11, after that moment when everyone kind of relaxed and were for each other, when that started dis dissipating, I remember thinking, you know, a spiritual practice that is associated with and necessary for the letting go part of the, the last season, the season that's not dying, is lament. And I just keep one, I kept wondering, where is the national Christian leader who's going to call for all Christians, regardless of what your political standing may be, to go, why don't we just go down and sit on the mall in Washington, D.C. and weep? And weep. No talking, no, because we can't figure it out. No words, because they're empty right now. No, none of that. Just, can we just cry together? Can we mourn what we're losing, what we've lost, our history? in so many respects, and actually come to a place where the tears start to shift. So we're, you know, there's a cleansing that happens and a release. But that's the first thing that strikes me is for us to be able to just tell the truth, you know, how it feels to us, what, we're, what we see from where we stand, and be able to acknowledge our impotence to use the power. We are not powerful. And no amount of money, no amount of brilliant minds are going to be able to get us out of this one in that sense. And as far as the church marrying power, oh my gosh, yes. 20th century, a little bit before that, but especially in the 20th century, you can really see that here in America. And it's not a put down on anybody. Everybody's trying to do the best they can, but moral majority and that, you know, let's go... Yes, we need to have representatives who are Christian. But when it gets mixed up with having power over, because in the kingdom, Jesus forbid us to have power over. He said the Gentiles lorded over one another, and he's not going to be named among you. It's not power over anyone or anything. That's God's power. We are power for and power with. And I think there's just so many conversations we need to have. But then how do you get people in the same room? That's what we try to do here at Hosanna. And we're having amazing adult classes, if you want to, where I kept waiting every week this last month or so for somebody to either get up and walk out or not come back the next week. Because we're having really conversations like this that matter. And uh, each week it got a little bigger, which was very heartening for me. So thank you very much. But that's kind of a long response to say, I agreed, and we need to find spaces for this to happen. Yeah. We got a comment online that kind of follows up with that a little bit. The question is, what, you know, what, what, is, what has made you sad, but what has given you hope? This is from Caleb. It says, the kids give me hope. Yeah. He comes from a youth ministry experience. And congratulations to them on the birth of their new beautiful daughter. Well, he's getting to that here. Oh, okay. It says the next, generation, the next generation isn't looking for easy, placating answers and seems intent on holding power structures accountable 
both secular and religious. They're not going to put up with some of this. And he says, see, I have hope for the kid on my lap. And the kid on his (laughs) lap is uh, one week old today. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Dale? Um, I come from a heritage of being an Anabaptist, which was a radical wing of the Reformation. And, um, you know, I'm thinking just in terms of what kind of radical action is needed today. Not that I'm ready to volunteer. Um, but I, no, it don't, well, don't never say never, right? It, 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 it seems to me that the church, one of the major problems that the church in general has had is we're following culture as opposed to be the ones that are influencing culture. Mm-hmm. And how do we as believers begin to not simply follow what's happening in our society, but begin to lead a different way, mm-hmm. which will bring a lot of pushback right. and maybe even the same kind of response that the early Anabaptists got. Yeah. Probably one of the biggest questions throughout church history. All the different answers yeah. for that. I, I agree with your assessment. The church ends up following culture. So what do we do about that? One of the temptations in church history, yes, Rick? He says, and, and the role of the Holy Spirit Okay, for those of you who couldn't hear, particularly online, he's talking about taking the Holy Spirit seriously. And, and yes, yes. One of the temptations throughout the centuries has been to say, hey, the culture screwed up, and we're following it, so what we need to do is take control of the culture. We need to be the power, and then, therefore we end up becoming aligned with the power systems or even take over. And what happens is that we end up being at least as corrupt as the culture that's, that, that we're taking over, sometimes even more so. The church, whenever it tries to take over and run, and run the culture, really doesn't do it very well. And so there are people that just say, well, then we withdraw from the culture. We just don't do those things. And, of course, we're here in Lancaster County where you got the Amish example. And I'm not trying to be critical of them, but you guys have chosen something other than not. Obviously, you're here today. Um, but you get stuck then in a culture, you know, 1710 is where we're going to hang out for the rest of our lives. Well, there is nothing more spiritual about 1710 than there is about 2023. What's the other option? Well, maybe it's to be what some of the recent writers have said, and there's some really good books out there right now, to be, to be in the culture, to love it, to be incarnate in it, just like Jesus was, but to be subversive in it, to not have to take it over in order to change it. In fact, the best change bubbles up from below. Mm-hmm. The best change doesn't come from somebody in charge mm-hmm. up top. It comes from millions of people acting out a radical, subversive faith in ordinary mm-hmm. life. And other lives get changed, and things get changed. Now, you, you can agree or disagree with that, but I, I love the people who are suggesting that these days because they, they give me hope that maybe people like us, whose names will probably not be written in the history books and who will not be talked about 200, 300 years from now, may be even more significant mm-hmm. in what God is doing in this generation than those who are famous. Yeah. Yeah. If we're paying attention to the Spirit and what the Spirit is wanting to do in our time. Yeah. You can disagree, but that's... Yeah, that's to be like mind. yeast and dough, Jesus said. One of the things I've been thinking about when this conversation started was it has to start with all of us individually, and we need to do our work. 
and we yeah. need to know who God made us and how he gifted us. And each of us are different, but together we become one unit because there's the thinkers, mm -hmm. there's the mystics, there's the healers, there's the people who serve, and all of us together are one body. And I see that happening in our neighborhood. I mean, I live in a very diverse neighborhood. And a few years ago, I decided rather than fight, I'll be a peacemaker. And that, I'm telling you, it's not happened overnight. But I see changes in people's responses to me or my changes in my responses to them. I always ask God, show me their wound so I can be compassionate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So on that note of compassion, <laughs> what has given me hope uh, during these messages, um, I have somehow, some of you know that I'm a missionary's child, as is Mark, and um, but I'm, I'm not a scholar, so I've, I don't have the... Um, if a good book comes by my way that addresses something I'm struggling with, it's interesting to me how often God sees to it that that happens. But I don't go looking for it, usually. <laughs> there are exceptions. But um, so I, I am, I've never, I never took a good history class in my life. Uh, I don't know, you know, I have a book on church history that I was going to read and got about two chapters into it. So, you know, so to have this, this overview has been invaluable for me, personally, helping me to um, feel compassion for the uh, missionary uh, generation that I came out of and yeah. see where they fit in and the whole um, understanding of the pietistic, which was super strong in my youth. And I rebelled eventually against it, always real safely, because I'm an Enneagram 6, and I needed to feel, feel like I was secure. But, but there was always that, you know, and then trying to be not that and figure out how to be different than, you know, all the missionary-type excesses that I, I saw as I got older and so forth. And it just has helped me to relax and have compassion for them, and gratitude, yeah. and then compassion for myself, so that I, instead of always continuing to think, somehow, 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 I'm going to kind of get this right, even though I'm really old now, and then I go, no, I don't even want to think that way, because that just makes me tired. <laughs> but it was always, always there, bubbling, and it still is, but because of this overview, I've, I've noticed also a shift inside of me where I'm like, oh, it's okay. God's got us. He was working through all that mess. I can see that more clearly now, and he's yeah. working through my mess and everybody else's, and I'm just going to, I kind of like what Julie was saying. I, I, I'm old now, and I, I'm much more limited in what I even can imagine that I would do, <laughs> and that's really freeing. Yes. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. The relief, like that exhale. 
we're all holding our breath, having to be perfect or thinking we have to be perfect. Otherwise, we're going to get punished. And there is something about looking at the entire family tree and seeing (laughs) God really does use everyone and understands our weakness. He understands our limitations. There is a big sigh of relief there. Okay, one of the things that surprised me was the history full of so many people that God used, and you shared both what they brought to our beliefs and that they also had weaknesses, and yet mm-hmm. God still used them to work through them to where we are today. A few weeks ago, we were in Rhode Island, and uh, the thing that amazed me beyond the rocky coast and the waves, I did not realize that Rhode Island had the history of freedom of religion, and people fled from other New England states to go there because they were being persecuted and killed. Yes. And I'm thinking, I didn't know that happened in America. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we weren't taught that in school. And it makes me Mm -hmm. think, you know, with my involvement in school board and everything and, and history in school, we learned a lot of history about Americans. But there's other history annuals available about some of those same Americans and how godly they were, mm-hmm. and it wasn't taught in school. Now, I can understand that because school is a part of the world that's very dark yep. and ruled by the darkness and no light is shared. But what made me sad is you shared over the last eight weeks all the history of these people that contributed to what we believe today. Where in the hang was the church, and why were they not teaching that same history? Uh-huh. When I was a young man, a teenager, it was saved, get saved or you're going to hell. Or it was about the tribulation. You don't want to live through the tribulation because all these terrible things are going to happen in those seven years. Yeah. There was no history given about the church. Yeah. It seems as the church today is using that history as a hitching post mm. and are hung up. Mm-hmm. And yet we need to use it as a light post or a lamp post to show oh, nice. us how to go to the future. Yes. And, you know, we just need to do more and I think be more willing to speak up and in a loving and grace-filled way. Yeah. And uh, it just makes me sad, the situation, at the, I'm going to say church at large across this country, across the world is... Uh, I also read about the many Christians in other countries around the world that are being persecuted and killed. And we don't seem to be concerned about that because we're arguing with each other. Mm -hmm. It's sad. Yeah. There's so much more that God could do through us. Yeah. Wow. Thanks, Tim. Yeah. So you said a lot. And especially I like the hitching post and lamp post. Shine. What can we do? Shine. Like stars in the night. You know, that's what Jesus said. You're the light of the world. But also on the other side of things, you know, when you first start, when we, I can remember too, when I first start getting hold of the bigger picture historically, and I got angry and it was like, where, where was everybody? Why didn't somebody tell me this a long time ago and all of that? But it's also the recognition and the way we started the series was to have compassion because everybody along the way was trying to do the best they could with what they knew. And so the folks that are teaching some of the stuff that they're teaching now in the church, they don't know that it's not. It's because they were taught that because the people who taught them were taught that. And the freedom to ask questions, the freedom, this 
postmodern, you know, the, the hermeneutic of suspicion, it is really important that we would ask the questions. It is not heresy to ask a question. Why do we believe this? Why do we do this? Where did this come from? You know, and so among a lot of good things you just said, that's what's striking me. Yeah. And the sadness, again, it'll shift. We've got we've to hold the sadness over our history. And also what, has, what this has done to the way people understand God. It damages God. It dam- and that's the thing. It's, God is so good. You know, what, how does the anxiety let up, right? We're, how does the fear let up? When we are able to allow ourselves to let go enough that we can actually experience the goodness of God, the provision of God, that God is not lying. Jesus is not lying when he says he takes care of us, like the birds and the lilies and everything. But unless we find ourselves in some of these dark night experiences, we don't actually know that. And so this is a time where the knowledge in our heads is great, and you're not going to hear us putting down knowledge here. But if it's not rooted in the deeper knowing that's even wordless, that's down in our bones, that this God is a good God. This God is not out to punish us. He doesn't hate us. He is not seeking to and fro just to catch over the earth, to catch somebody doing something wrong. That is not God. That is not why Christ died for us. And he's resurrected now, by the way. The cross is important. But as long as, historically, we're only focusing on the cross and the dying and the suffering and the pain, then the expectation that that's what we're supposed to be doing too. There is redemptive suffering. But a lot of the suffering that we choose is not redemptive at all. How about we rise with Christ? How about we shine in the world? How about we know the freedom, the hope, and the the certainty of faith. God's here. God hasn't changed. So I'm hearing a lot in what you're saying that really is echoing with what everybody's saying today. Does somebody have the mic right now, Dwight? Or? Okay. Joyce gets the last word. And the word after that. And then that. it's the word after that. <laughs> um, well, one of the things that, I mean, I might take this in a little bit different direction, but one of the things that surprised me and gives me hope for tomorrow was, Joanne, when you were teaching on the Celts and how they believe, I'm sorry, no. that when you're born, you're good. Because yes. why would God, why would he take us as his image and make us bad from the beginning? Yes. I just never really believed that. And when you started preaching on that, that really, that really got me that, you know, mm-hmm. he's a good God and he loves us so much. Why would he want to bring us into the world being bad, that we're born with that terrible sin nature. But that's what we've right. been taught from the beginning. Right. And if we would just, if people would start teaching that truth today, mm-hmm. I think from the very beginning, that would make people look better about the world in a different light. Yes. Thank you for saying that and bringing it full circle back to one of my favorite things. <laughs> yeah. That... We, and I think Tony said this along the way, 
So the church, at least in the West, along the way got stuck at Genesis 3, right? They ate the, ate the fruit, they fell, and it's true in the story, and all of what that says is real. But what the Celts did was they read it from the beginning. So it wasn't original sin that was their focus. It was original blessing. The way we come into the world, they believed, is that way. And we will sin because we're imperfect humans, and we get tempted, and we need to learn. But I'm so glad that that resonated so deeply, and, which isn't to say everybody needs to believe that, but it's what you already knew in your spirit, and it got affirmed, and you felt the freedom. And that's, yes. Would Go. you like to do your closing benediction yes. first or my announcement first? Why don't we do your announcement first? Okay. We're bringing this series to an end, so we got a new one starting next week. Oh, boy. And, uh, and Deb gave you a heads up a couple weeks ago, I believe. It's Hosanna at the Movies is back. So, and for those of you who are new and are wondering what they're clapping about, uh, this is something Joanne started back in 1946 or something no. like that. And, <laughs> 90, 96. 96. I get confused. Uh, we'll be showing some uh, ex- extensive clips from a Hollywood movie and looking for the graces that are embedded in it that maybe even the directors and the writers and the, uh, the actors don't know are there. It's just, it's just really, really fun. <laughs> we, we, we ran into a problem when the pandemic began, so we're going to explain. We're going to do something a little different. We've, we have a license to show these clips in here, and that's been okay, but when we started live streaming, that license did not cover us showing these clips out to people elsewhere. We had to have a broadcasting license to do that. So we've been experimenting the last couple of years. Well, last year we just didn't do it. And the year before we experimented trying to find a way to do it. So this year we came up with the perfect solution. Well, we'll see. Let's hope. (laughs) We'll see. Nothing's perfect. We are going to show (laughs) clips here in the building, and we're going to encourage friends who are on who are live streaming or whatever. If you, if if in any way possible, you can come to the building or come back to the building. If we haven't seen you in a while, we'd love to see you anyway. Uh, to be here for the live clips, that would be awesome. We realize we have people on stream, by the way, who are in other parts of the country and other parts of the world, right. and some who are not able uh, because of health to come. So we're not leaving you in the cold. You're going to get the best of Hosanna, <laughs> the greatest <laughs> the hits. <laughs> now, we have a series of Hosanna, the movies from several years ago that does not use live clips. It used stills and and so we're going to, so what we're going to do is all gather, we'll do live worship together, but when it comes time for the message, those of us in the building will do one movie, and those of you online will do another movie. We apologize for that, but at least everybody gets to do Hosanna at the movies. Yeah. That's the plan. So we'll see how it goes. Does that make sense? Did I say that well enough? Okay. That begins next week. And uh, by the way, if you're on our email distribution list, if you're not and you want to be, please let us know. I'm going to send a teaser every week. About what, because we're not allowed, that's part of the deal, we're not allowed to market which movie so that we don't turn into a theater. So, but we can, we can hint. (laughs) So next week's movie is about a, a, a magical village and a magical town. And how did I word that? It was beautiful. It was. And they, (laughs) everybody in this place is magical except one little girl who um, seems to be not so magical. Except when disaster, when threats come, turns out she might be the one to save everybody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you all. Um, and 
for our closing, because I like poetry, we're going to use a, a poem by Marilyn Chandler McIntyre. It kind of speaks, at least, to where we are now, you know, ending this series in the now moment and moving into the, the darkness um, that is still here, hopefully to be some light. This is a poem called What to Do in the Darkness. Go slowly. Consent to it, but don't wallow in it. Know it as a place of germination and growth. Remember the light. Take an outstretched hand if you find one. Exercise unused senses. Find the path by walking it. Practice trust and watch for dawn. Amen? Let's continue to do that as a community, and we will watch for dawn together. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Have a wonderful week.